Hello, fantasy disc golf fans, and welcome to Chill This Days, a sports ethos presentation. I am your host, Matthew Williams, and you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Chilliams and Instagram at Chill This Days. And I would like to officially welcome you to episode number 19 of Chill This Days. And on today's show, we have the Las Vegas Challenge preview, and we're going to have some reactions to the Chill This Days industry draft that, that dropped a few days ago. Super excited. This is going to be the first preview that I'm doing for the Las Vegas Challenge, and we're going to have a quick turnaround from All-Star to LVC. So I uh, wanted to get this out. I do have another draft coming up tomorrow. But wanted to give you guys this this preview to get your lineup set, get ready for for Las Vegas Challenge. So I had to do this today to to get it out, stay consistent. Um, you know, I'd really like to give an in depth preview of what you guys can expect from the course to to kind of give you an idea of of maybe some sleepers that you know I might not touch on that you think you know a player's game could fit well for that course um but this one you know there's gonna be you know i've definitely tried to prep for this obviously knowing with the season coming up there's gonna be three courses on this one but with the quick turnaround from from draft season uh this the, the preview i don't think is going to be as as um in depth as probably i'd like to as some of the other ones so just just off the bat, I'm gonna do the best I can. I feel good about my picks that I have, um, just in terms of some of the historical trends and, and kind of the way that the courses are set up. Um, some picks I do feel good about. So um, definitely stay tuned for the picks. And in terms of the course preview, we will get into a little bit of that for the Las Vegas Challenge. So um, I know there's like a little confusion out there, and, and it threw me off too with with what courses or what. So there is still three courses being played, but MPO is playing two courses and FPO is playing two courses instead of instead of them playing all three. So MPO and FPO will both be playing course Innova on Friday and Sunday on the same days. Now Thursday, Saturday, MPO will be playing course Infinite and FPO will be playing the Millennium course, which was in past years, I believe, the factory store. So typically in years past, you had Infinite, Innova, Factory Store, Innova for MPO, FPO. This year, they're doing a little bit differently, splitting FPO, MPO on that Thursday, Saturday. So I'm guessing so that they can help the players learn the courses better. Um, so they don't have three courses to learn. Um, but us as fans, if you're, if you're trying to be the top fantasy analyst, you can. You are trying to learn three courses. And if you are trying to get ready, you got a few days uh, before the start and you want to get a, a head start on your competition, uh, I would definitely hop on to YouTube. Um, Innova has the course previews for all three courses, and they do a little breakdown. It's like 10 minutes with flyovers to give you an idea of what the course is looking like and, and what's changed from the previous year. So I would definitely recommend if you have the time, spend half an hour to get a quick preview for, for all three courses. And 
And I'm just going to give a general <laughs> a general overview, I think, of what you'll see at these courses, because you do hear some of the pros complain a lot about, you know, these holes, um, you know, kind of being hard to differ differentiate. So I'm just going to kind of touch on some of the main features you'll, I think, see at these courses and what you'll be looking at from these players' games to, to see who will be successful at these courses. So um, Las Vegas Challenge, you're going to be seeing... A lot of OB cart paths. So this is on a a wild wild horse golf club. So it's on a, um, a golf course. You'll see a lot of OB cart, um, which I think if you go out there and play, you could take you know get yourself a cart and go around. Um, but a lot of OB cart path like deep behind the basket. So not just right left, but around the green, you're going to see a lot of OB cart paths. So terms of going deep if a players are got to watch that pace coming into the green or else you're going to definitely find yourself um, in danger for some OB car paths around the green. Uh, a lot of times you'll have hazard sand traps uh, in front of the green. There's definitely some OB golf greens so that'll be a difference is the the sand trap it will be hazard whereas the golf greens that are around the basket close to the basket those will be OB. So you'll see a lot of those, I would say, the main characteristics. A lot of OB golf greens near the basket, hazard chance, sand traps scattered throughout, a lot of OB cart paths surrounding it. There's a few holes, I would say only really a few holes um, that have like any kind of gap to hit off the tee. Um, you really only see a few of those. So hitting gaps is I would not say as crucial as as for sure um, pace control and you know maybe that's someone who can has the arm to throw I think that's why you see Drew succeed because he has the arm to kind of throw uh, mid-ranges and putters to kind of control that pace coming into the green so those guys with the extra arm is you know not so much just the bomber type of course, but really getting a slower disc and controlling that pace as it's coming to the green, I think is why you see a lot of the 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 bigger arms being successful. But it's not to say that this definitely it definitely favors a a heavier arm. You will see like on course Innova, uh, especially in the back nine. So for for FP and MPO, they don't really change the holes too much. They just change the par. For example, Innova for MPO is a par 61 and FPO is 69. And there are five holes that are par fours for the MPO that will be par fives for the FPO. And four of those are on the back nine for the FPO. So hole 10, 14, 16, 18. And so, yeah, even three of the last five for the FPO or par five. So I think you'll see that's why a lot of the big arms, you'll see like Katrina Allen and Paige Pierce have been going at it for the Las Vegas challenge for a while. So I think um, for sure favors some of those big arms. You'll probably see Evelina, Hannah do well, Holland, Ella, some big arms for sure probably do doing well at, at Las Vegas challenge, especially on the FPO side, bumping up those. So and then there will be three par 
par threes that will be par fours for the FPO on Innova. It will be interesting. Like Drew got a on course infinite. Looking at last year, he got a double bogey on that hole six, that triple island hole. So it will be interesting seeing if perhaps the MPO might get tricked up a little bit because that whole uh, the course infinite has some, I wouldn't say, I mean, that's definitely a gimmicky hole, but like some touchy holes to start, even you see in like hole one, uh, a lot of people go deep and have that come back to the hazard sand trap. Hole two, you have that touchy hill to start. Uh, it just seems like there's some touchy shots at infinite that could lead to some more variation than, than Anova. So that is something I am curious to see. So I don't have, um, honestly, too much on Infinite and Millennium. Not too much on the course previews. Just those are some big, some big takeaways I had in terms of what the courses are kind of like set up like. Um, you know, you'll see some island holes hole three and hole six on Innova are island holes. They changed three from like a peninsula to kind of island. So you're starting off with some kind of like touchy shots on Innova and then ending with some some of the bigger bigger arms bombing. So that I think that's what we'll see the like the pages, the Katrina Allens and some of the bigger arms separate themselves is on the back nine at Innova. I'm going to get into some picks. I am. I have a quite a few different like lines of picks that we are going to be getting into, and let's start with some start sits. I think that's what we're going to start off with because um, this is a situation where you know we're going to try to look at some like maybe fringe players for your season long league. So this could apply to really really skip base or hyzer base any of your season long leagues where you're kind of having a start sit situation uh, and we're really going to be looking at maybe like fringe players so this is going to be really dependent on how deep your league is uh, and that's going to be something that we got to try to get into but obviously i'm not going to tell you to you know start gannon or paul or ricky i don't need to tell you to do that you guys those are auto starts these are some of the guys who might be on the the end of your bench that you are deciding between and we're going to get into some players who will probably play uh, better at Las Vegas Challenge than in other events. So kind of starting off, tying to like what Jason uh, Phelps was talking about on the industry draft was the the open versus verse wooded. So this is going to be a more open. I think you're kind of going along with that philosophy. So I had touched on in my survivor previews Colton Montgomery as a sneaky survivor pick. He had placed top 15 the last three years at Las Vegas Challenge. So definitely in terms of start sits, you heard Jason mention on the industry draft how he plays, I think, like 10 points over his, his PDGA rating at open courses. So Colton Montgomery, for sure, if you have uh, – we'll get into the sits in a bit. But if you have maybe someone else on the back end of your, your um, team starting this week – that you're a little iffy on, I for sure say, plug Colton on. Uh, Tristan Tanner's another guy who he had talked about exceeding on open courses and, and 
I've had these guys on my start list, but Jason just kind of like is confirming this. Uh, Tristan Tanner was sixth last year at the Las Vegas Challenge and fourth in 2020. So I think he's a guy you're for sure going to be starting, um, not worrying about hitting gaps off the tee. He's got a real smooth forehand and backhand combo, so I think you'll see him be successful here. Uh, Luke Sampson is another guy he kind of, I feel like gets off to a kind of a uh, hot start around this, like Goat Hill and LVC. He's kind of like already, kind of already in the swing. No rust to get off for Luke, so... He was 10th last year and 14th in 2020. He's a guy I'm for sure looking to start. Um, I think I put him in over over Albert Tom. Um, I did start him over over Albert. I mean, they kind of have a similar, I want to say a similar game, but like similar builds, similar game. I'd say Luke's the better putter for sure, but... And Luke's had the consistency at this event, so I did start. Um, Luke here uh, as, a, as a nice starter. Uh, Thomas Gilbert, if you're considering him, uh, he last year was top 10 C1 in regulation, park, and birdie percentage at Las Vegas Challenge. Uh, top 20 C2 in regulation, fairway hits. Um, he was tied... 10th last year and he got 15th in 2021 at the Las Vegas Challenge. So um, he's another guy uh, they had touched, Johnny and them had touched about him going back to some of the end of us stuff he was comfortable with. And he's had consistency at this event. So definitely looking to start Thomas Gilbert. A name that, so, so a lot of these guys you'll see who maybe who have avoided Las Vegas Challenge in the past because of the three courses. Like, uh, one guy that stuck out to me last year who was his first year playing the event but still performed well that I wouldn't have necessarily would have guessed was Chandler Fry. He tied 17th last year in the first year playing the event. He was top 20 in both circle and regulation numbers. So, like, I really think of Chandler, you think of him as a great putter. But, like, he was top... 10 OTB Open and Santa Cruz Masters Cup. I don't know if he just plays kind of well in California or Las Vegas, but he's kind of uh, an, an outlier. But uh, if you're maybe a little hesitant on one of the guys you have, like, yeah, this is his first year. Um, I don't know. Maybe not be too scared if it's a, it's a big name you trust. You know, like don't make any rash decisions sitting them because they haven't played and you're like, oh, you know, they got to play three courses. Well, they only have to play two this year, so that's not as big of a concern. But that was just a name that I like. I wouldn't have ex- expected to have done well at Vegas. But, you know, I like I kind of – I'm going to keep them on the starts. Like if you have Chandler, I wouldn't put him over someone. I wouldn't take a stretch to insert him over. But if you, if you need to play him, I wouldn't be too worried, I guess, is where I'm going with. Some maybe uh, deeper names, uh, Wavend Yarns, I've kind of talked about him for sure. He got 34th last year. He, he's another kind of like deep sleeper play. Maybe if you're doing, uh, oh, we'll get into the other picks you could be doing, but I like him as a pick. And then another another deep pick I'm going to do, someone that is, is uh, Cody Kirkland. I think he got 41st last year, and his... Shot shaping at Goat Hill 
I think is going to <laughs> shape up really well for Vegas because it is an open course and he can kind of just he he's got a smooth pace. Um, I liked what I saw from him at Go Hill, and he's able to like he has functional power. So maybe not the the crazy arm that you saw some from people at at, at Go Hill, but he definitely has functional power. I think you could see him. He's from California. I definitely think he could he could have a top twenty five. I think he could definitely place top twenty five. I like his game. I I think Cody could be a sneaky pick here along with Oyvind. So those are the big starts uh, for FPO. Um, Rebecca Cox for sure is is a nice. She's had some historical. She's had some success here. Jessica Weiss is another one who's had a lot of success here. She was 13th in 2022, 3rd in 2021, 6th in 2020. Um, oh my gosh, 4th in 2019, 7th in 2018. Jessica Weiss is from California. I think I had her on my survivor picks for OTB Open, but that could be a real sneaky... Or not even sneaky. That could be a really, a really nice pick. Um, a deeper one, I like kind of like Allie Smith for this one. She's got a big arm and and she's gonna be really like this is her first event of the year, so she'll be kind of um, people people might be doing like a wait and see kind of approach, but I think she's got the arm to succeed at this one for sure. Um, Paige Shu won the event in twenty nineteen, so. With her making her comeback, if you have, let's say, Kristen Tatar or Valerie Mondahano sitting out this week, and you know, like Clinton, um, we'll probably be looking at at starting Paige Shu, as Johnny had mentioned. That could be a nice one to insert for this one. Um, and then Sayananda, she could be another one too, where people are maybe waiting to see how it plays out. So if you're willing to to step up and put her uh, out there, I think this could be it. And then another maybe start set that it's a little deeper is Arya Kostarita. She placed 15th last year. She didn't get drafted in our fantasy draft, but you know, I'll kind of touch on on that is where I think I might have sh- should have adjusted maybe the uh, roster size. We'll see. This was our first year, but I feel like the roster size should have been adjusted a little bit. Um, for the for the FPO, but those are some kind of the 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 um, start sits I'm definitely looking at for for LVC. Um, you had yeah, those are those are some of the start and sits. So Jacob Curtis cupcake, you know, theoretically, like with his arm. I think you could like this would probably be where you make the case to start start him, but uh, just off a of goat hill, I do not like just the vibe. Like he didn't miss a lot of those putts. Don't get me wrong. Like he, I can only think of really a couple that he missed on on his putts, but he just took forever. Nobody called him out on it. So I mean, the first event LVC, if someone calls him out on it. Um, you know, those some extra strokes. He called Cody Kirkland on a foot fault that nobody else 
uh, backed him up on. So that was a kind of weird, uh, just a little bit of a weird vibe, I felt like. And then another thing I didn't really like from Cupcake was I saw on YouTube, like on the Goat Hill video, he came out and he addressed it, which I thought was like the worst thing you could do, man. Like, just let it go. But he came on YouTube and he was like, hey, I know that I had some putting like woes and no this doesn't normally happen i was like ooh, like i just thought he should have left it go because now it's gonna i mean feel like now it's gonna be in his head so i'm gonna take a wait and see approach on on cupcake for lvc i don't it's it's gotta be in his head that that putt for sure so i'm not feeling good about that um Alden Harris and Kale LaVisca. I'm saying this because I had them both on my team. Uh, they both missed the cut last year. So it was like 49th and 50th they both placed. Um, so Kale was like third in 2019. It's just I'm a fringe on sitting them. I mean, I have right now, I do have both of them. I have Alden starting. I want to see. I, I don't have the... I don't have the the cojones to sit Alden because he's talking about working on his distance. He knows it. I don't think LVC's pure distance, but I mean, he could be a, a guy you're looking at is, is some of these guys who don't have the crazy distance. Um, Kale LaVisca missed the cut last year. I'm thinking I have him on my bench right now. Um, those are fringe ones. If, if uh, I would just say if you have maybe like a Colton Montgomery, a Tristan Tanner, Luke Sampson, Thomas Gilbert, um, that you want to start over them, I say go for it. A Cody Kirkland or Waven I feel like is a deeper cut, but there's I would consider him almost fringy this week. And then another one uh, I would is is Luke Humphreys. He got he had that crazy start to last year where he was fourth at LVC and second at, at Waco. But I I just think he just got off to a crazy hot start and and then it all kind of faded. He didn't really let's see he didn't follow up that performance with anything crazy. His best finish for the rest of the year was 20th at European Open with a smaller Field and his average finish for the rest of the year was 53.2. So after starting off for the LVC and second at Waco last year, Luke fell off to an average finish in the 50s. So um, in terms of start sits, I am I'm sitting Luke. I don't um, totally trust a repeat performance of LVC last year. And then... Um, other start sits, we're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get a better feel for like some of these these um, these field sizes. So there will be luckily a couple weeks between LVC and Waco. I think I'm gonna do a lot of diving into to who these these fringe players are that we'll be looking at. Um, get a better feel for what some of these roster constructions are like, so I can give you guys better a uh, better feel on on these start sits. And then for sure, if you guys got any questions, hit me up on Twitter. I'll put on my fantasy analyst hat, um, do any kind of questions. I'm going to try to get better at the, the Twitter, um, taking questions or whatnot, but haven't had a ton of, um, I haven't been putting myself out there a ton or engaging a ton. 
So we'll see how that goes. But feel for sure, for sure. I've had some people reach out for questions on like the draft guide and things like that. And I love it. I love it. If you have any questions on whatever, just DM me, Instagram, Twitter, more than happy to help. Um, yeah, if, like I, when I get questions about the draft guide, it makes me so happy. I'm like, yes, someone's reading it. I'm happy to to help. But anyway, ran over on that. Survivor picks. I'm going to stick with my picks that I made at the beginning of the year with Drew Gibson and Haley King. I just think they're going to be... I think these are going to be the areas I want to use them. The Jessica Weiss one, I think I had her for OTB open. I'm sticking with Haley King, but if you wanted to go Jessica Weiss, I think that's another good pick for Survivor pick. So uh, MPO, I'm sticking with Drew Gibson. He's had consistency this event. The only other one I was thinking about him was maybe the Portland Open. But I think I'd rather just use him now. So Survivor picks. I'm looking at Drew and Haley King. My Skip Ace Weekly picks, my $6,000 salary. I had Colton Montgomery, who is 1019. Tristan Tanner, who is 1010. Gavin Burr, 1043. Nico LaCastro, 1031. And he is the same price as Garrett Gurthy. So. Uh, if you want to go with this and you want to decide between Nico and uh, Gigi, I think they're both totally set up well for this event. I got Katrina Allen at 968 and then Paige Shu at 929, leaving me $0 for my Skip Ace weekly pick. You're picking four MPO, two FPO, $6,000 salary. I have uh, On Your Card, if you haven't checked out the On Your Card episode with Rick Hansen, uh, strongly encourage you to check out that episode. Uh, I've been really been liking the setup on that. I've joined a couple leagues with the pros. I got into a league with Jake Hebenheimer and Sarah Hokum. So I've got a couple pro leagues. I've got the free league. With the pro leagues, what I'm doing, my strategy is, is because I of both of the pros I signed up with, they both picked themselves. So I also picked them. So I have it. Might it helps me keep track of the league. So my league with Sarah Hokum, my first pick with Sarah Hokum. And then my one with Jay Cuban, how I picked them. So it just kind of, I feel like it's a wash with the pros. And then it's almost like a best out of three. So I kind of liked that strategy for on your card, doing the best out of three approach and sticking with the pro. Uh, I And I also like, because I'm a, you know, I have an accounting background, uh, been interested in investing and all that good stuff. It's got kind of a stock market interface kind of deal. Um, so I like, you know, it's just a different spin on it than your, I guess, um, season long fantasy, which obviously we all love, but it's just another way to play fantasy. So I definitely encourage you to check it out and hop in a league with the pros for sure. Uh, there's quite a few on there. So definitely check it out. But my picks for on your card, my strategy after talking to Rick, I'm starting with Low, low, low salary and seeing if I can get a big money bump early just to see what happens. This is my strategy. So uh, in my pro leagues, I started off with the pro and then I went Sayananda, who's a thousand, which is the minimum. Ali Smith, who's a thousand and Cody Kirkland, who's a thousand. In the free league, my fourth pick was Tristan Tanner, who is 1735. I think he was the 
one of the better values I was looking at, who's shown historical consistency to give me a lot of points here, but also be cheap enough that I could sell him after this event. I'll probably plan on selling all four of those players, try to get my money up, and yeah, and then maximize, and we'll see how my strategy shifts after, after that. Uh, grip six, pick six. Here we go. Here is your grip six, pick six. So here's what you're doing on this one. You're trying to pick six players. You get zero points for whoever gets first, and then a point for every stroke after first. So really, you're trying to guess first place in MPO and FPO, and get the players who plays closest to them stroke-wise after that. So your grip six, pick six for the Las Vegas Challenge. I have Gannon Burr, Katrina Allen, Paige Pierce, I think those three, I think Katrina or Paige will be your winner. They've been going at it for a while. I think Gannon, if he doesn't win it, he's going to be right up there again. So starting off those three, feeling great. I have Haley King in there. Uh, is she, I think I could see her getting close to the top. So with Kristen out, I'm kind of anticipating her getting third. As like a real close. So I'm just kind of banking that on that with my survivor pick and grip six pick six. And then I got Calvin Heinberg, who is has a crazy consistency at LBC. And then Nico LaCastro. He's had some great finishes at LBC, and he's gonna be coming out with a burning desire to start hot. So I think with the time off and who knows, I I'm going Nico with my grip six pick six as a kind of like a wild wildcard dart. I could see him for sure making a run for the the chip. So like I'll see like I could see him winning it and then having Burr and Calvin be neck and neck right behind him. That's kind of what I'm banking on is I'm kind of banking on Gannon and Calvin for sure being near the top. Katrina and Paige for sure being near the top. And then King and LaCastro is kind of dark horse picks to sneak up there for either the win or end up coming in for runner up or third. So that's kind of my mindset coming into these grip six, pick six. And I think those are some good picks. So, um, you know, I don't have a ton of experience with the grip six. So I don't know if you need to be shooting for like that, that wild pick or not. I don't think so. You can really pick whoever you want. There's no limitations. So I think these are solid picks and we're going to see how it plays out. All right. Now let's transition to the some reactions to the industry draft that was done Thursday. That was a ton of fun, a ton of fun. I had a blast. Obviously, the, the folks I assembled, I was trying to be the dumbest person in the room, and I think I accomplished that. So I really was trying to give them the floor. Um, I did get... I fanboyed a little bit. I got excited and I feel like some of my, my analysis on my picks, uh, I feel like I got a little bit into host mode a little bit, trying to keep the flow of things going. and didn't really like have my picks ready to go, like favorited as, as I normally would on draft day. Um, so I just wanted to take a little bit. And I was thinking about doing this at the front end. But I wanted to give you guys the option, you know, after those LBC picks to stick around and listen to this if you feel like it. So thank you for sticking around so far with those LBC picks. If you guys want to hear about how the draft goes um, and some of my rationale a little bit behind my picks, this is where I am going 
to do it. So um, first off, starting with Paige, and I kind of made a Twitter post about taking Paige, and I just feel like I didn't give it enough uh, enough juice on the draft show in terms of really explaining why I think you should take Paige number one. So I did a quick like Twitter breakdown just to the points. So last year, Paige had... 95 fantasy points to 17 skip base events in 2022. She had a 21st finish at USWDGC and 18th at GMC. So she had 56 points to 15 events, which would have been around an average finish at 3.73. Five wins, 12 top five finishes. All right. Kristen had 17 fantasy points and 10 events, a 1.7 average finish. It's crazy. But those other seven events, you got to stream them. Juliana Corver, who identified was one of the best streamers. So let's say you get the best streamer, had an average finish around 10 for six of those seven. So you project out, let's say, 70 points for the seven events she missed. That would have put her at 87 fantasy points compared to Paige's 95. So, I mean, pretty close. Yeah, Kristen would have had the advantage for sure last year. But pretty close, like not as crazy of a difference as that 1.7 versus 5 average finish. Uh, This year, Kristen's missing LVC. So I know I have Silver Series in the league coming up, but I'm just going to do Elite Series and Majors to kind of just keep things simple right here. Uh, If Kristen misses LVC, we project out at 9 events. And let's say she has an average finish of 2, make it nice and clean, you know, a 0.3 regression, let's say, from a crazy year. Nice and clean, two over nine events. That's 18 points. She's got eight events to fill out. If we give her the benefit of the doubt of you streaming perfectly and getting that finish of 10, that's 80 points right there. So that's 98 fantasy points projected, Kristen, 2023. So let's say Paige makes 17 again, average finish of four, that would be 68, average finish of five would be 90. So even at an average finish of five, which is kind of where she was at last year, Paige is at 90 compared to the, what, 98. So there you go. There's a victory right there. And that's two roster spots that you're spending on Kristen to stream those events. And that's assuming you do get that clutch streaming 10th place average finish. And that's hard to do. When I did my, you know, average waiver replacement value, it was around 30. So you're really considering ideal streaming right there. So uh, I think I'm happy with, with taking page number one. I just think from a total fantasy value, page can make way more of the events I'm anticipating her to get closer to the average finish of four and you get one roster slot and I was able to fill out my FPO pretty well. So honestly, I'm super stoked with Paige as my number one and I'm sticking with it over Kristen, but just wanted to give a little bit of justification going down the board. Paul Macbeth, um, this is where I was probably would be targeting like a Mattia or Kyle Klein, but both of them were off the board. So um, super, super happy with Paul, obviously kind of touched on him, um, not being so worried about him on the majors. Um, so that is definitely going to be a, a benefit. Um, yeah, I'm starting with Paige and Paul. So I was super happy with that. 
uh, thought the first two went great. Three, Isaac. Again, I'm not. I'm happy with that one as well. The only other one I think I was considering there was James Conrad, but I feel like I touched on. I think Isaac has some great upsides, so stuck with him. Uh, the next pick, I think, Ella Hansen. So at this point, I believe Johnny had just taken Holland Hanley, who I had a bit above Ella. And I think I got some major tunnel vision on Ella. I, I went a little fanny here. And the reason I say that is definitely on my draft guide, I had own ranked higher. And looking back, like I'm not super, um, I don't think the Ella pick's going to kill me. But at the end of the day, I feel like it probably is going to be a net negative. Um, I had Ella ranked 25th. She, I had her ranked as the 20th fantasy player last year. And I had Own ranked 21st as the 13th. Um, Own played 13 skip base events. Ella, 15. I think, you know, I just... Uh, <laughs> maybe let Shawnee get in my head a little bit. He was talking about distance with Holland. And I was like, Ella just won the distance championship. I am a big Ella fan. I've been following her offseason with her van and, you know, big game, big distance. I think if she does get that putt up and gets her pace dialed down a bit, like I really like, I really like Ella. Um, so like at the end of the day, I might have, I might have made the same choice. I might have still gone with Ella, but I, I wish I would have taken a little bit more time with my pick and really looked at own just a tad bit more. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I'm not really kicking myself too hard, but I think right there, you, if you went on right there over Ella, I would not blame you. So that was kind of a, that's why we do this, but that's one decision I was looking back on. Um, and then I didn't get down exactly the order. I got Alden and Mason, smooth golfers. I'm happy about that. I went Macy Vela Diaz, who I had right around kind of the same value as as Ella. So big upside, I feel like, for this year, especially if, with her schedule stepping up. I think she's got a lot of room to make a bump. And uh, I think I have to give a little clarif clarification. So uh, on the draft, I, had, I said I have to give a shout-out to my girlfriend Mace the Ace and I drafted Macy Veladias. Um clarification, my girlfriend is not Macy Veladias. <laughs> my girlfriend's name is Macy. Macy with a Y. Her nickname is Mace the Ace. So I just gave a shout out to Mace the Ace. To my girlfriend. And I really wanted Macy Veladias on my team anyway. For my anyway. Uh yeah. I figured everyone probably knew that. But just wanted to give a little clarification because I told my girlfriend what happened afterwards. And she's like, people are going to probably think that you're saying Veladias is your girlfriend. And she should be so lucky. <laughs> no, she is not. Um, just wanted to clarify. But I am super happy with that pick. So I mean, I got Paige, Ella, and Macy to start. So yeah, I was super stoked. And then I got Alexis as kind of the like kind of the safer floor maybe with her putting. I mean, you saw her at All-Star. Her putting has been 
crazy. And I, you know what? I had, I'm looking at my draft guide now, the FPO get carded. I had Ella Hansa, Ella Hansen, Macy Villadiaz, Maria Oliva, and Alexis Mondujano all ranked in the same tier. And I got all three of them. Okay, let's go. This is why you make tiers. So when you do get to it, and then I had, I got Emily Beach so late and I had her, oh, I had her ranked 30th last year. So my five FPO players, I had all top 30 fantasy players last year. So my FPO, I felt like worked out super stacked. And I'm already talking to Jason about trying to trade Emily Beach because he said he was interested. Um, I tossed out, whew, just for you guys to know, I tossed out Albert Tom and Emily Beach for Chris Clemens. And I did get rejected, but I thought that was a pretty good two for one. Um, I took Albert Tom really for durability. And he was, I think, right behind Ezra as the second ranked guy for, ev for someone who played every single skip base event. So Albert and Luke, I really went for durability, playing all the events, big arms, open courses. Those are guys that I didn't really have like the, I didn't really have that mindset. Like Jason had broken down, I guess, the open versus witted, but like, I guess mentally, I kind of had it as um, durability guys who play a lot versus high upside limited events. I think that's kind of the balance I tried to strike with my team, which is kind of what when I went with that kale pick was for sure the high upside. Um, Evan Scott, we can, I'm kind of bouncing all over the place with my picks. Um, Evan Scott was a, I had him ranked like top hundred and with his, and he only played, it was like 11 skip base events. So my rationale behind that was big upside on the events played and big upside on potential average finish. But looking into his placing last year, it was kind of, it was a little more sporadic than I liked. So uh, I made a Twitter post. I've made two moves so far since the end of the draft. I moved Christian Kuoksa to IR, which I said I was going to do. And I picked up Paul Euliberry. So I was so grateful he was still on waivers. Um, I did miss out on, I think, Evan on draft night. He moved Ezra Robinson to his IR and picked up James Proctor. So that was a good move. He got that. I saw him still on waivers. I thought I was going to be able to snag him, but Evan wasted no time. And then Clinton picked up Eric Oakley. Which, yeah, Eric Oakley will be fine. I, I don't consider that a huge upside. I feel like Paul has more upside um, once he gets, like he, he Paul Yulaberry. All right, let's get into it. He had a great end to his last season. Um, I just, I should have probably taken him over at Evan Scott to be real, or I should have taken Withers or Proctor. So that's another. That's actually um, another. I don't want to say regret, but that was one I was kicking myself a little bit. But honestly, I actually kind of am really happy with the way, the way that my team played out because I did get Paul Euliberry. So I picked him up 
basically after I moved, after I moved, Christian Cooks and IR picked up Euliberry. Euliberry, here's his finish last year for his last five events. 30th at Ledgestone, 16th at Des Moines Challenge, 37th at Worlds, 15th at Maple Hill, 15th at USDGC. So, I mean, if Paul stays healthy, he got off to a slow start, had some injuries, but he finished really strong. So if he's if he's healthy this year, I think that's going to be a really nice pickup for sure. And then I dropped Evan Scott for Paul Omen. I just think he's going to be a safer guy for my alternates. Um, he came off a really good performance. I forget where he just played. He just got second. Oh, was that the one in Mexico? The MX. Yeah, the MX Disc Golf Championship, the Mexico. Um, he just got second there. So I, I, he was fresh in the mind, and it gave me the Paul Trio, Paul Macbeth, Paul Euliberry, and Paul Omen. So, I mean, this is one of those fun things you got to do in fantasy. If you can get that triple Paul, go for it. And then my mindset with trying to trade for Clemens was I had Presnell, which I was really happy about getting that Tobias Harris Presnell. He'll be nice. And then I wanted to get Clemens, another KC, and then I was going to replace Emily Beach with Ali Smith. So I was going to have that triple Paul and then the triple KC. That was the goal. So this is the part of having fun with fantasy that I like is trying to mix that strategy whistling fun. But other than that, I'm actually really happy with the way my team turned out. I think it's going to be a really fun year. Um, super stoked with my squad. I'm super excited to keep keep doing this podcast you know um you know just a few months really excited to have gotten to talk to a lot of great people in this industry already and i'm just going to keep working on improving and becoming a better analyst and and you know luckily been able to surround myself with some smart people already so um you know gain more experience become a better analyst and see how this squad turns out i definitely leaned on my draft guide a lot leaned on my draft guide and leaned on the numbers for sure when I did this draft. And hopefully as I get better as analyzing these games and be able to identify some more breakout candidates, then and then then the numbers will indicate, you know, find that Isaac, find that, um, find that player who really feels strongly about breaking out and and making that pick. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm very happy with my squad. I'm really happy about learning some new strategies. Really, I uh, needed to follow up with, like, I definitely, like, I got so fixated on Jason's. I feel like I didn't follow up with Evan on his inverted point system enough. So maybe that'd be something fun. You know, I know Johnny had mentioned uh, having, like, a maybe a middle-of-the-season show to have everyone back on it and kind of touch base with where we're at in the season or or even if it is on an individual basis, just kind of touch and base, seeing where uh, people's teams are at and how they're feeling, what their you know draft day decisions they're regretting and they might have gone back on or whatnot. But definitely would like to touch base about him on that that inverted point system that he came up with because um, like I thought that Jessica Wee's pick for sure. Like looking back, I was like, wow, I'm surprised he didn't go Lexus. But then yeah, that Silver Series like Crusher and. Um, looking at her her uh a little bit more i was like oh yeah that actually that was a nice pick so i'm gonna have to follow up with him on his inverted i loved our our guests coming in with a game plan um and 
And really crushing it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, be on the lookout. I have a content creators league coming up on Monday. So that will be a lot of fun. I'm doing this one to get out so you guys are prepped for LVC. Then I'll do a review a review after LVC. And then I think it's a couple weeks between LVC and Waco. So it'll be a good opportunity for me to kind of catch my breath a little bit and and work on some... I'll be working on some of the numbers on the rankings for sure. Definitely get a an idea of the rankings and then also have a better preview for you for Waco. Um, I already feel comfortable with that course for sure. So I think I'll have a lot better preview for you guys um, in terms of actual course preview. But I think the picks for LVC are solid. And I hope that whatever you decide to use it with season long event matchups, if you're going to make some picks. Oh, prize picks. I'm going to do prize picks on Twitter. Um, I don't have that, those numbers in front of me. I'm in Missouri and I have, I have trouble getting some of those prize picks pulled up my location and whatnot. I don't have that information in front of me. So and it's a bit early in the week. I think usually then how I'm, I'm probably not going to be doing the preview usually this early, but like it, most leagues, I feel like you need at least 24 hours to lock your lineup. So I'll probably do it at least a couple days before the tourney. But in this one, I don't have prize picks for you guys. So I'm going to do prize picks via Twitter on this episode. But I think I got all the other picks. If there's another platform that you use for fantasy or daily fantasy or whatnot that I have not touched on, let me know because I am always interested. Like I know... Quentin mentioned sleeper and I've like heard of it, but never used it. So that's on me being stuck in my ways using Yahoo and ESPN. Um, I've used underdog. I know Jason talking about best ball. Oh gosh. I need to talk to him about best ball. Cause last time I did best ball, I got my butt whooped. So uh, I think that will do it for this episode of chill. This days, a sports ethos presentation. Thank you so much for listening, and may all your bogeys become birdies.